I came down uh, Monday for prayer a week ago, tomorrow, and uh, missed church because I had a splitting headache from getting over spray in my sinuses, spray painting a table underneath of it. But I came down for prayer, and uh, I brought this with me to get prayed over. Uh, tell you a quick little story. I did a, a lot of moving in my business and personal life in, in November. And a big job came in for me then from a good friend of mine. His name is Scott Whiteford. And uh, I subcontracted the job out to a young man that I thought I knew real well. And he ruined the, ruined the walls and ruined the trim and ruined everything. Found out later he got himself into drugs and stuff. So at the end of the job, when he said he was done, and we knew better, I kicked him and his five guys off the job and uh, took it over. And I, my friend Scott said, Tom, I trust you. I know you'll take care of it. And four of us spent over four weeks fixing it. <laughs> and uh, God strengthened me, and he gave me opportunities to break away and make enough money to keep the job rolling. By the end of the job, I had owed seven weeks payroll. And so the final pay, the final draw went to payroll. And so I was left with a $9,000 bill for paint. And... 30 days went by, and I'm struggling. 60 days go by, and I'm struggling. Up comes the 90 days when they sell it off to a collection agency. And I'm in have a good communication with Carrie from Sherman Williams. She's in charge of financial. She said, just, just get it. You need a down payment. You need a good job. I said, I know I'm praying. I'm going down to prayer meeting, and we're going to pray over it. We talk like that real openly. And a job came in, and I bid it. And I didn't hear back for a while, and I brought that contract here Monday, and I said, just pray over this. And we anointed it with oil, and the next day she sent me a text, we've given you the job. And, yeah. And so I, I immediately called Carrie, and I said, we're going to meet Tuesday in two days, and uh, she's going to have a $9,300 check with her, so I can pay that $8,995 bill from Sherman Williams. And I just thank God for that. And he's just a miracle worker. So that was a financial miracle, right? I'd like to talk this morning about the greatest miracle that you can receive. And so if you would, and we'd like to stand for the reading of the word, so if you wouldn't mind standing with me this morning. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 9 and start at verse 1. And he entered into a ship. I'll give you a minute to find that. We have something I'd like to follow along. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, he being Jesus, and behold, they brought to him a man, sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, am I in the wrong? I'm in the right. Seeing their faith, uh, said unto the sick of the palsy something that surprised everybody. They were ready. They knew Jesus was healing people. He was feeding people. He uh, was doing all kinds of miracles. And he did a financial miracle once even when they needed to pay tribute. And nobody had any money. He said, go Find the first fish you see, open his mouth, and they paid tribute. There's all kinds of different miracles, but this is the greatest miracle that you can receive from God. He said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins have just been forgiven you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me to deliver this message the way you want me to deliver it and help us get the understanding that you want us to know about this great miracle of the forgiveness of your sins. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And you can be seated. Thy sins be forgiven thee. 
And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, well, this man just blasphemed. He just blasphemed. Who can forgive sins? Can you forgive sins? Can I forgive sins? Can I forgive my own sins? Is there anything any of us can do to get our sins forgiven? Is there anybody that you know that can forgive your sins other than Jesus Christ? He can forgive sins. Only God in the flesh can forgive your sins. Only God in the flesh can pay for your sins. He paid for those with his own life on Calvary, his horrific death. One of the things that is the most difficult challenge for God is to get a person, a man or a woman, into a place where they're able to truly repent of their sins. It's the hardest thing. God can speak a galaxy into existence. He can make somebody beautiful. He can give you a beautiful voice, a cute personality. He can do all kinds of things by just saying it, saying it, speaking it, making it happen. But how do you make somebody repent of their sins? How do you make somebody come to a place where they're horrified by their sin? The brazen labor had a mirror. The idea was you're supposed to see yourself the way you really are before you get baptized. You can say, well, the greatest gift I've ever received from God was the gift of the Holy Ghost, and that's true. But in order to get that gift from the Holy Ghost, you have to do what? You have to get baptized. In order to get baptized, you have to do what? You have to see yourself the way you really are and want to wash that off. What brings a person to that? It's the goal of the entire Bible, of every prophet, of every preacher, of every pastor carver, of every witness, is to get you to see that you are exceedingly sinful until you're forgiven, and the only one that can forgive you is Jesus Christ. So they said within myself, this man blasphemes. Only God could forgive sins. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For what's easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven? Or arise and walk? Would you rather hear, if you had a choice, I'll heal you, but you're going to go away from me like nine of the ten lepers that got healed and not even get the revelation of who can heal you? Only God in the flesh. One leper came back and worshipped. He realized what had happened and worshipped. <clears throat> and... But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he saith unto the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed and walk. He wanted them to get the revelation. Having your sins forgiven is the miracle you must have. Arise and walk is cool. Yeah. And that church over there on the other side of the parking lot, I came to church one time, my back out so bad, Brother Rapelli. Gave me a hidden heating pad. I sat in the back pew, and that was back when I was just learning about Brother Robert's one that likes to run around here, right? And then it was John Springsteen. Boom, it went past me, and I was kind of new. Like, and the Holy Ghost said, chase him. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> Where's that in the Bible? Well, it is in the Bible. They ran when they wanted rain. <laughs> you run for the rain. Second time around. I said, no, oh, he's going to tell me to do it again. And phew, chase him. I was like, my back's out so bad. I'm on ibuprofen. i got a heating pad. I'm walking crooked. The third time around, I said, if you, if you hit me again, Lord, I'll do it. You tell me again, I'll do it. Worst thing that happened, this is going to hurt a lot. <laughs> third time around, he said, chase him three times now. And I, 
So I leaped up. I thought I was going to just get up and run. I leaped and went into a full-blown three somersaults. I'm like, I wasn't even going to run. I'm doing somersaults. And I come up from the third somersault back completely healed, run around the church. That was good, right? That was good miracle. But I woke up this morning, crooked again. <laughs> I broke again because I worked so hard. I didn't even know if I was even going to make it. But Brother Joel prayed for me, and I'm feeling great now. My point is, getting a healing is great. It's good, right? doesn't make you acceptable to God, does it? I mean, God was more acceptable to me when he healed my back like that. I'm praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is great. My back pain's all gone. But it came back, didn't it? Lazarus had to die a second time, didn't he? Being raised from the dead. Wow, that's great. Good. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, says it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which your, is your reasonable service, right? If Jesus be God and died for you, it's just reasonable that we would give everything we've got to him, right? That's just reasonable. And be not conformed to this world, <clears throat> but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove what is that good and acceptable and then perfect will of God. We ascend up in our knowledge and revelation from something good. Jesus fed the hungry, 5,000 loaves, fishes multiplied. They were full, but they hungered again, didn't they? I can say, Lord, I accept you as my Savior all I want. And some people, when they say that, repent, and they really mean it, and they get something from the Lord. But, the, but and who am I to accept the Lord? He wants to accept me. He wants to make me acceptable. Being healed is good. That doesn't make me acceptable to him. Only one thing makes me acceptable to God. One thing only. And it's called repentance. Precedes revival in any way, any flavor, individually, socially. Repentance precedes revival. What is the greatest gift we can ever receive? Forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. To get the Holy Ghost, you have to be baptized. To get baptized, you've got to see yourself the way you are. Paul wrote it this way in Romans 7, 13, that sin must appear exceeding sinful. When you see yourself the way you really are, when King David was trying to hide his sin, and Naaman the prophet came to him with his story, a man that had all kinds of riches and all kinds of sheep and wealthy, my friend came for dinner. He went to his poor neighbor that had one little sheep and killed his neighbor's sheep rather than one of his own. What should be done to the man, King David? David said, bring him here. I'll kill him myself. And what did Nathan do? It's Nathan. He said, you're that man. And the crown fell. Poosh. David fell. Poosh. If there's one thing he had going for him, he was able to recognize the and be terrified by his own sin. That proceeds. But all that is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and good preaching and reading. And you come to this place and you go, it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one. If I was there, I probably would have betrayed him too. I'm sinful. And you absolutely break 
Jesus said, he that comes to me falls on the rock and is broken. Is broken. But if you wait and let the rock fall on you, you'll be crushed to powder. There's a, a story in the Bible I'd like to go to. It's in John chapter 8, and I'm going to read it kind of slow. It's really hard for me to talk slow and read slow. I'm doing my very best. I think that's been a challenge for me because I like to really talk fast. John chapter 8, <clears throat> Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and he taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, which went pretty much about like this, she hit the ground. And Jesus met her down there on the ground. They set her in the midst. And uh, they said unto him, <clears throat> hypocrites, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. She didn't get a shower in. She didn't get to change her clothes and put on a suit for the judge and have her attorney with her. She was face down in the ground, still covered in what she was into. She had stunk. She had been slapped around and beat. She had been spit on. We've all met the Lord for the first time in a lot better situation, most of us, than that. There's a few of us. There's a few of us. I met the Lord for the first time in the middle of a drug overdose. And I was damaged by that for years. But I was able somehow to get together a prayer. And I recognized the, the horror of my situation and my being. And I reached out, God, if you will save me from this drug overdose, I promise I will never do drugs again. And I meant it, and I never did. And he stopped that right where I was until I got filled with the Holy Ghost over on Prairie Rond and healed me of that. And... Uh, Others have met, most of us, we've been introduced a little at a time, friends, grandma, grandma praying for us, right? This woman met the Lord in a face plant. She wasn't looking too good. She knew she was going to die. I picture her looking up and just seeing the, the, the feet, maybe up to the knees, stones ready to go. They were ready. Moses in the law says this woman that such should be stoned. Verse 5, what sayest thou? What do you say, Jesus? They're tempting him because they were trying to put a difference between Jesus and the law. They're trying to say he's just all about forgiveness. He's not supporting us. And the Pharisees and the scribes were already wanted to kill him. And they thought this was it. We're going to find out who he's for, the law or something new. This they said, tempting him, that they might be able to accuse him. But then Jesus, the Bible says, stooped down. Stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So now you're this woman and you're, you're face plant in the dirt. And now you see Jesus' fingers. and He's writing. And I believe he wrote sins. I believe he went down starting with the eldest and wrote and they looked him in the eye, drops a stone, maybe it was sodomy, maybe it was murder, maybe it was whatever. But beginning at the eldest, the stones start to drop. Boom, 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 boom. This is how she met the Lord. She's like, they're not going to kill me. 
And Jesus stoops down and he says, so when they continued asking, he finally lifted up himself, but they had all gone away one by one. And he said, he that is without sin among you, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. Some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, <clears throat> I need a drink of water. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, she said it this way. She's, she's crying her eyes out. She's trembling. She says, no man. Lord? Lord? No man, Lord? And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The beautiful story about repentance. This is how she met the Lord. Now, I want to turn to Luke chapter 7 and look at another woman that I doesn't, the Bible doesn't identify either of these women, but this is another. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And we're going to do a little scripture reading. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Come to my house, Lord. I want to be important. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman, again, no name, a woman, in the city, which was a sinner. Which was a sinner. Which, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, or begin to wipe, wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake again within himself, saying, well, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known what kind of woman this is that's touching him, for she's a sinner. I wonder sometimes if it's the same woman. She had to split. If this is the same woman, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the woman that was thrown in the midst, taken in adultery, she had to get out of there. Jesus was like, you know, I basically, you might want to go. Those guys are going to think better of it. You might want to just go and don't sin anymore. I don't believe sinning was in her mind ever again after that. She, that was the last thing she wanted to do. If I was that woman, I would have wanted to know more about Jesus' followers. I would have wanted to learn more about Jesus. I would have wanted to get cleaned up and tidied up and not sin and pursue this. This is probably the first time in her life she ever felt love. She was obviously a prostitute and probably was beautiful and probably thought, well, guys, they just tell you they love you anyway. They just want something. I may as well make some money off it. And then Jesus saves her life at her worst. I would have wanted to know more about this Jesus. I would have said, that's the first time in my life I felt that kind of love. i got to know more about that kind of love. So Jesus, he says, uh, the Pharisee's talking to himself inside his heart. Jesus is listening loud and clear to his heart. 
And we says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. After just condemning him in his heart, he says, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly just forgave them both. Tell me, Simon, which of them will love him the most? Which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And Jesus said, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman that's washing his feet with her tears and her hair. And he says, see this woman, Simon? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she hath not stopped washing my feet with her tears. And wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. My head you didn't anoint with oil, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Verily I say unto her, to, to thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, and to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he turned to the woman, and he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. It's a short message, but I believe we're looking at going from a good thing, being saved from death. Good, great. She's going to die again, right? But that's not enough. I've got to get to where I am. Can I have my sins forgiven? I mean, more than anything, can I have my sins forgiven? Hallelujah. I feel the same vibe. And then, uh, it doesn't say it's the same woman, but if we could turn to Matthew chapter 26. I'll end with this. And then I'll bounce back to Romans 12 and we'll wrap it up. Matthew 26, verse 6, starts like this. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, he had cleansed him, there came unto him another woman. Again, just a woman. But I think I remember this. Having an alabaster box. Isn't that interesting? Here comes that alabaster box again. A very precious ointment. She had learned he was going to die for her sins. Her sins. I'm acceptable. I've been forgiven. He's going to pay for that himself? What can I do? You can take it from good to acceptable, and you can perfect worship. Worship him. And she poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, this is Judas, he had indignation. To what purpose was this waste? Is Jesus going to die for your sins? And we were wasting precious oil on his head. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said, and that caused Judas to allow Satan to enter in. He left to go sell him. Why trouble you this woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor with you always, but you, me, you will not have always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she knows she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, that whithersoever this gospel shall be preached in all the world, imagine that, whithersoever this gospel shall be preached in all the world, there shall also be this. 
talk about the, this woman anointing my head with oil. Don't ever let anybody forget that. You see, there, we could go from good to acceptable, but we perfect it when we go, how do I thank you? How do I worship you? How do I bless you? He said, that's it. You got it. You got it. God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for he seeketh such to worship him. God wants to do the greatest miracle that you can ever receive, and that's forgiveness of your sins. It begins with godly repentance, for godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, not to be repentant, to be repentant of. Repentance precedes revival, and I believe we're going into revival. Repentance always precedes revival, whether it's getting the Holy Ghost. That's preceded by real repentance. If you have never really received repentance, I would encourage you today, before you leave this building, face plant one of these altars mm -hmm. and let one of us pray with you and get that forgiveness of sin. Nothing will make you happier. Nothing will elevate you more. Nothing will do more for you in this world or the next than to hear those words. Your sins, which are many, are forgiven. God bless you, Lay House Church. Privilege.